Bears going to take it himself. He finds some room, gets into the end zone, touchdown, and the fever. from the pocket, now he'll walk one downfield. A ton of air, rolling under the end zone. Hello and welcome back in the trenches. We are live from Phoenix, Arizona on the heels of a tense, emphatic, and downright I told you so weekend of college football. Last week was really, really good to us here around CF Budge headquarters. We went 5-1 and one in our best bets for the second consecutive week, and we had some predictions that were pretty spot on over the last week. And usually when you say that, people always say, oh, where's the receipts? Show us the receipts. I don't know what you're talking about. Show us that. So we're going to start off the show today in a little bit more of an unconventional way. Before we do that, shout out to everyone that is in the YouTube live. Appreciate you guys rolling in. And shout out to everyone that's in the TikTok live as well. Remember when we get to the mailbag portion at the end of the show, if you want to ask a question, it's got to be in the YouTube because I'm able to click on the comments like this and just throw them up in the lower third. Look at that. Fishing's thoughts on Clemson. He's asking for that, but we'll do that later. But for now, here are the receipts, and here's a compilation one minute long of me just being straight up right about last week's games. Well, I'm taking the Cardinals to win this game in an upset. Give me Louisville. I think this puts them on the map, and I think they're going to be in an absolutely beautiful position. Still got some Bulldogs. We'll thwomp Kentucky, and I use that word a lot, thwomp. Just picture the the thwomp, which is what it's called, the spiky little block thing in Super Mario Brothers. When you run under it, if you don't time it right, it just absolutely thwomps on you. I think that that's what it's going to look like when Kentucky and Georgia play. They need to make Washington State look like they did last year, and that's they couldn't protect Cam Ward, and Cam Ward would make mistakes. He would take sacks, and the offense just would not and could not function in games like this. They need to be disruptive up front, and UCLA is very capable of doing that. I honestly think that this is a nightmare matchup for the Cougars. I've said this game, I think it might get up there a little bit in terms of scoring. And throughout the process and throughout the duration of a game, if it requires more scoring from the offense, I just trust the LSU offense just a little more to keep consistently scoring versus the Missouri offense. So I like LSU in this game. So there you have it, a minute straight of receipts from last uh, week's show. If you were already listening to that show, you already knew all those results were going to happen. Uh, a few of the ones we missed on, though, because I'll address those too. Uh, we picked Texas to beat Oklahoma, but I said in the show, if Oklahoma goes plus two in the turnover battle, they win that game, they went plus three. So that one, while I may have missed on the pick, the sentiment was still there for the upset. But the one I will admit I just completely missed on was going to be Alabama versus Texas A&M. I completely whiffed on that. I warned everyone a couple weeks ago, don't doubt Bama, don't fade Alabama, and I didn't heed my own advice. So a critical mistake, not listening to myself. But last week was a really good week all around at CF Budge headquarters. We got Leonard, my fish, a fresh bowl of water. And uh, let's get into some of the game breakdowns. We're going to start with Oklahoma 34, Texas 30. The Sooners win in the Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it. What happened in this game? This game panned out a little bit like I thought it would. Lots of early momentum swings and crazy bounces and intense rivalry atmosphere. Beautiful, beautiful noon Eastern time kickoff. And two really good teams. I thought that that was the non-common knowledge going into this game is how good of a team Oklahoma actually had this season compared to Texas. A lot of people already knew about Texas because of what they did in the national radar. But a lot of people just remembered Oklahoma from their ugly 6-7 and seven record last year. And so going into this one, I know I saw way more doubt on Oklahoma uh, just about how good of a team they were. But going into this game, I thought they were really two, two really good teams. And they showed. I still have the same thoughts that both these teams are excellent. The key stat of this game, going into this game, in the breakdown, I said Oklahoma would have to go plus two in the turnover battle to win this game, and they went plus three. So for the Sooners, execution to perfection. They go plus three. They force some crazy batted balls. They get some nice interceptions, and Gabriel with the game-winning drive. They did exactly what they needed to do, and that's a really good team. That's going to be favored in every Big 12 game for the rest of the season because of the talent level on their roster. So here's my takeaways for the game. I mean, barring disastrous injuries, these two will rematch in the Big, twi- tw- Big 12 title game, somehow a tongue twister. But I really think that 
this is inevitable. It's going to be a rematch. And I say barring a disastrous injury, like barring another D- Dylan Gabriel injury and then guys at the offensive line going down or something like that, or maybe Texas loses some key cornerbacks and starts getting shredded. I really think that these two are just on a collision course to play again, and it's excellent that we could get another chance. And honestly, I think it's a blessing that we get the Red River rivalry so early in the season because we have the chance at an upset that further down the line. That way it's not just a back-to-back matchup, uh, kind of like how it would be with Michigan and Ohio State if those two were able to play in the Big Ten Championship, which they're not because of some stupid rules. But uh Yeah, Texas is still an excellent team. I think Texas still wins this game more often than not, but this was the scenario where Oklahoma won, so let's give Oklahoma uh, their credit. They need to consistently win against inferior opponents now. Uh, Because Oklahoma was off the radar, nobody is talking about the slow starts that they had versus Iowa State, SMU, and Cincinnati, and that's because there wasn't a big spotlight on them. They weren't one of the top teams in the country. Oklahoma has gotten nowhere near the flack Texas got for letting Wyoming hang around in that game. So they just need to be very careful, especially if you look at their three road games in conference coming up, they've got a game at BYU night game in Provo. That's going to be tough. They've got a game at Oklahoma state. The last bedlam game, maybe ever, you know, the Cowboys are going to be ready. And we already saw the Cowboys win a strange game at home against Kansas state. And then they've got a road game at Kansas. The Jayhawks are legit big 12 contenders, especially with like TCU and Texas tech falling off this year and Kansas state taking a couple L's. They're right there. Kansas still only has one loss to Texas, and they're going to be hosting Oklahoma. So Kansas is hoping to get a little round robin going, beat Oklahoma, and set up a tiebreaker there uh, if the Jayhawks are legit this season. So for Oklahoma, watch out for some trap games, but kudos to the Sooners for getting the job done. A fantastic win, and Dylan Gabriel quietly on the Heisman radar. So let's get to the next game. LSU 49, Missouri 39 the Tigers go out and get it done on the road despite everyone telling you about how trash Brian Kelly is he goes out and gets another win after a loss I believe that brings his record to I want to say six and one at LSU after a loss what happened in this game LSU got out and made this game into a shootout and they made Missouri run with them and that is not what Missouri wanted and if you listen to the one minute clip at the start of this podcast That's what I said Missouri did not want. Missouri wanted to keep this close to the vest and low scoring and Harrison Mevis in an opportunity to ice it late or get Luther Burden the ball, make some plays, but also control the clock in this game. LSU got out and ran and made it so Missouri had to be tested to score again and again and again. And LSU's opportunistic defense made some plays. Yes, the LSU defense looks pretty tragic. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, Another key thing, though, I said is I said Missouri needed to get Luther Burden the ball at least 10 times to have a chance here. They got him the ball 12 times. So credit to him for getting Luther Burden the ball in his hands. He's an elite playmaker. Uh, It just wasn't enough. LSU's offense just literally scored more than them. And it it was it's pretty crazy to watch this LSU offense. Jaden Daniels had this is the key stat, by the way. Jaden Daniels had 390 total yards and four touchdowns. This is the best quarterback LSU has had since Joe Burrow. And it's the best quarterback they've had, if you look before Joe Burrow, in a really, really long time. He's playing at a Heisman level, and he would 100% be in the Heisman conversation if LSU didn't have those two losses. What I will say is if LSU gets back on track in the SEC West, Daniel's Heisman case is going to start to build and build and build if they start to get momentum toward the end of the year. But no one's talking about him because it's all about your team winning, which is so stupid about the Heisman voting. But you see it with the odds and how the voting has gone in recent years. That's exactly how it goes. Takeaways, LSU's defense is terrible. I just think LSU will lose again this year. It feels inevitable just because of how bad their defense has been. And it's, it's unfortunate. And their offense can also beat anyone. On any given Saturday, this LSU offense is good enough to just get out, run, and beat you. And that's going to be scary for the Alabamas of the world. They've got LSU on the schedule upcoming. And it's going to be scary for some of those teams that they draw. Uh, They're going to have to go and beat LSU, and LSU is going to score. And they're going to score a lot. And Jane Daniels is playing at an elite level. Missouri is still an excellent football team. It's crazy how people will let their stock drop on a team after a game like this. Like, did Missouri look bad at any point? Did they look like terrible no they looked great it's possible to look great and still lose a game I would understand if your stock on a team like Kansas State dropped they looked very sloppy at Oklahoma State and dropped a tough game but for Missouri 
they're at home and they're rowdy and their offense still looks excellent. Their defense makes some plays. LSU just played a fantastic game. Daniels got out and scrambled a little bit and they're able to just beat Missouri and end up being a double digit uh, win at the end. Shout out to the backdoor cover for our best bets. But it was essentially a one score loss. Very close competitive game. Uh, Drinkwitz, I think, is not entirely safe yet. May have jumped the gun. He's one of the guys I said got himself off the hot seat. Well, I agree. He's still off the hot seat. This could get ugly quick if Missouri doesn't get everything in order. They have a tough schedule ahead. They play some games that have not favored them in the past, including a matchup over South against South Carolina, who always seems to have their number. Arkansas is going to be a hungry team when they play them. They still have a game against Georgia on the horizon and a game against Tennessee on the horizon. So Drinkwitz has to get the boys together and get back on track because this could easily tumble into another 6-6 six and six season, which at that point, I think Drinkwitz's job is is in grave danger. Um, and uh, I had a brush up on Twitter with uh, uh, his name is Kate Brand- Brandon Walker. So I apologies to Brandon Walker. I forgot his name briefly. He's the uh, barstool sports guy. Um, I would say great guy, but I haven't had great experiences with him on Twitter. He was talking about how uh, Brian Kelly, he can't believe what Brian Kelly's done to this defense in a short amount of time and talking about how LSU's defense is less than uh, ideal. Well, Brandon Walker wouldn't know this because he, doesn't know college football too well, but uh, way too much is being looked into uh, in year two of a rebuild for Brian Kelly. Cause this is what it is. It's still a rebuild. It's remarkable that in year one of a rebuild, he won the sec West. I think that's something you need to focus on, but this is year two of a rebuild. He took over an LSU team that was 11 and 12 over the last two seasons and had a roster that was completely shredded. Yes. There's talented guys in the roster. The culture is really rotten at the core of this LSU team. And they had guys in, awkward situations just having four stars and five stars on your roster doesn't equal success we've learned that time and time again texas a&m taught us that lesson texas before they had sarkeesian or even in year one and year two of sarkeesian these this team this year for sark is no more talented by star rating than their previous two iterations he just has his guys in his positions that he built on that roster and LSU is still doing that. Kelly had to dip into the portal for a lot of their key defensive pieces in this offseason, and that is just a big gamble. So it is casual behavior to go out and say, I can't believe what Brian Kelly's done to this defense. Give him some time. What are you talking about? The defense will get there. And also, he didn't inherit a great situation. He inherited an 11-12 and 12 team over the last two seasons. I would like to reiterate that. But that's my two cents in the matter. Shout out to LSU for getting the road victory done. Let's move forward to the next one. But before we do, we're going to pause for a water break sponsored by no one. But I'm going to leave that ad space out there in case somebody wants to come do that. Again, shout out to everyone that is in the live on TikTok. Appreciate you guys. And if you're in the live on YouTube, I appreciate all the interactions. Uh, And if you're dropping comments in there, don't worry. We'll get to them when we get to the mailbag. As soon as we wrapped up these game recaps, we've got a couple more in the chamber. Let's get to the next one. And oh, boy. Kentucky 13, Georgia 51. What happened? Uh, We witnessed a thwomping. Kentucky got thwomped, just like I said they would. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I'll go over it again. A thwomp, right, is the little blocky, spiky character in Mario, where if you get too close, he thwomps down and crushes you. You'll instantly die. Uh, and, And Georgia thwomped Kentucky. This is what happened. This was just a clinic from the start. There was no way Kentucky was going to win this game. I cannot believe the number of people in my DMs and in my comments texting me saying that Kentucky was going to march into Athens and win this game. It just was never going to happen. The key stat, Carson Beck throws for 389 yards, and that is all you need to know. The game was over the second you read that stat. Uh, It you cannot have Carson back throwing for 400 yards against you and expect to win. That doesn't factor in the run game. That doesn't factor in anything. It was an emphatic one for Georgia. And it's exactly what I feared, which is Georgia is right back into form and they look just as good as last year and the year before. And I think it's going to continue to roll. It might not be linear. They might have another stinker here and there where they look rough, but still win. the wins are just going to keep piling up and they've got a manageable schedule takeaways. College football missed its best shot at Georgia. Georgia was slow to start. I think if Georgia played a contender in weeks one through four, they would have lost. Weeks one through five, you could even say, because that game at Auburn was sus. Uh, They could have totally been beaten in that first month and a half. But now, guess what? They're back, 
And I don't know if anyone can beat them now remaining on their schedule. They still have to play Ole Miss. They still have to play Tennessee. There's still room for them to lose somewhere. But And they play Missouri, I guess, as well as an honorable mention there. It's going to be near impossible to inflict this Georgia team with two losses and keep them from the SEC title game. Once they get there, all bets are off. We'll see who the West uh, puts out. It might be Alabama, who we talk about later. But uh, Kentucky should not be ranked. Devin Leary has been one of the most disappointing transfers in college football. And I don't think they should be ranked anymore either. They're still ranked because they have a quality loss to Georgia, but they didn't look impressive in any of their other games. And they didn't look the least bit impressive in this game versus Georgia. They got absolutely thwomped in that game. So shout out to Georgia for getting the win. We'll get to the next one. And this is one that we talked about a lot in the week leading up. And that's because I had an upset pick. Notre Dame 20, Louisville 30. Three, the cards get the job done and beat Notre Dame. What happened in this game? To be frank, exactly what I said would happen. Notre Dame was extremely depleted following back-to-back very physical games. Louisville's defensive front got after Hartman and the offense, coached by Jeff Brom, who is an excellent offensive coordinator, or not offensive coordinator, excellent offensive mind. He's obviously the head coach. Uh, They got after Hartman on defense, and their offense did what they needed to do. Let's get to the key stat because I'm getting very excited to read it. Some guy on Twitter, in response to my upset pick, I believe asked if I had a final score prediction. And I said something like 35-30 Louisville, something to that effect. And the guy said, and I quote, Louisville barely scored 13 against NC State. Oh, yeah, they'll definitely score 35 against Notre Dame. No chance, Uh, which I'm paraphrasing, so I guess I shouldn't have said quote. But Louisville got 33 points, which is nearly exactly on the dot of that 35 point that the guy said was impossible Uh, for this Louisville offense. So he clearly never watched Jeff Brom's offense. And it's okay to be a casual as long as we admit our mistakes and and you learn from that. That makes you not a casual. So um, 33 points from Louisville against Notre Dame. And they held Notre Dame uh, to 13 until a garbage time touchdown. So huge shout out there. Key takeaways, nothing new. Louisville's path is wide open for an ACC title game. And it's something that I pointed out. And Louisville Barstool, of course, uh, put a spotlight on it on Twitter I was talking about how Louisville could legitimately be this year's TCU team because they have a schedule that works and they have a schedule that could really bode well for them. And it has. They're 6-0. and Their toughest two games ahead are going to be against Duke and Miami. Miami, we just saw kind of fold and late, but those are still two solid teams they're going to be playing. Uh, but Louisville could 100% be undefeated and in the ACC title game. Notre Dame is out of the playoff race now. Two losses, no conference title game. Uh, no team not in the SEC really has ever had a chance at the playoff with two losses. Uh, I, I don't think Notre Dame's going to be there, but they can once again play spoiler like they did last season. They've still got a lot that matters in front of them. They got rivalry games against USC and Stanford. They still have to play. They're going to play Clemson. I know they don't like Clemson either. They're going to have some high stakes games. They could still get a New Year's Six game with two losses and still get a quality bowl game, even if they drop a few more along the line. Please, please, please do not overreact. And try to tell me Marcus Freeman is on the hot seat. He is not. He's not anywhere near the hot seat. It is year two of Marcus Freeman. He won nine games in year one. And this year, they're probably going to be in that same range. He is building something at Notre Dame. Please just continue to trust. And don't try to don't try to say he's on the hot seat. But shout out to Louisville for the win. Let's get to the next game. This is uh, the one that we were wrong on. Alabama 26, Texas A&M 20. I was very wrong about this football game. I should have never let my guard down on Texas A&M. I was adamant all over the internet in the weeks leading up to this that I'm never going to trust Texas A&M again. And then the week of comes and I get too tempted by the thought of an upset and I pick A&M never again. I will never pick Texas A&M again after this game. They have disappointed me way too many times. They really had this game and they just choked it away. And I warned everyone, I warned everyone several weeks ago. I said, don't doubt Alabama. Whatever you do, don't doubt Alabama. And then I went and did it myself. I didn't heed my own advice to doubt Alabama. So that's just clown behavior on my part, uh, taking my own advice, crumbling it up, and just throwing it in the trash can. Uh, Key stat in this game, two turnovers by Alabama, and they win on the road. Uh This is a sloppy Nick Saban team and a sloppy Alabama team. But I think what that stat says to me is that it doesn't matter sometimes with this talent. They're just going to keep winning games like this. And they're favored, by the way, in every game for the rest of the season. And Bama could just be right back there in the SEC championship game. 
another close win. And I'm telling you, these are just going to continue to compound for Alabama until before you know it, they're right back in the playoff mix, which I think they are right now. Uh, so yeah, Jimbo's in hot water again. No more excuses for Texas A&M. I don't care. I said he's back on the hot seat or at least feeling the heat right now. I'd say hot seat. And people were trying to tell me, ooh, that's bold. I don't know. They lost to a really good Alabama team. There's a lot of really good teams in the SEC, notably the SEC West. And you can't use that excuse anymore if you're Texas A&M. If you use the, oh, that's a really good team excuse, every time you lost to a really good team, you'd be okay with a 7-5 and seed. That's how 5-7 and seven happens. And that's how it happened last year. It's those really good losses start to pile up. For a and there are no more excuses. Yes, Wegman's down. Guess what? you got another highly rated quarterback in Max, Max Johnson in there that has looked solid. So there's no quarterback excuse. Oh, it was a good Bama team. You have the game. You have the talent to Max. A less talented, as far as stars are considered, Texas team beat Alabama on the road. You were at home. There are no more excuses for Texas A&M. And I am tired of people that try to hang that out in front of you like, oh, but it was a good team. No. No more excuses for Jimbo. I believe he is on the hot seat. This is a huge game for him coming up this week. And uh, this is a fleeting thought I had, but you know what? Maybe you guys aren't ready for that thought. I'm not going to share it yet. But shout out to Alabama for getting the victory there. Uh, That is all of the total game recaps for those ones. Uh, We do have one more here. It is the game I was at, but I kind of wanted to segue that one into the Last Dance Tour announcement. Uh, But before I do that, I want to talk about Miami Georgia Tech, because if you watched Miami Georgia Tech, you saw one of the most insane comebacks and stupidest moments in college football history. Miami had the football. Georgia Tech had no timeouts left. All they had to do was need the ball and they would have won the game. Instead, they opt to run the ball. They went hurry up and ran the ball to make things worse, and they fumbled it. Miami gets it, makes two of the most insane plays you'll ever see, wins the game on a last-second touchdown. That's stupid. That was really stupid. I do not know why Cristobal did that. But what's even stupider is the dialogue surrounding Mario Cristobal right now online. Miami fans are calling for his job. People are calling him a fraud and a clown and a loser. And I I will not sit here and tolerate that level of Cristobal slander. If you want to say the play call was stupid, and if you want to say he cost them that game, go ahead, do that. But if you want to say he should be fired or on the hot seat, he's a bad coach, that is so stupid. He literally built a program at FIU from the ground up. He won like eight or nine games in one season at FIU. He won multiple conference titles there, and he did that with no talent. He gets to Oregon, and all of a sudden he gets a bunch of talent. People say, oh, he's just a recruiter. He can't win with talent. He wins a Rose Bowl. He wins two conference titles at the Ducks. History would have you think that he never did anything big. He had the Ducks at like number two in the country with a win on the road over Ohio State. That season ended up crumbling at the end as they lost some critical games but he had a really really good Oregon team on his hands and people suggest that he can't win with talent he absolutely can they just haven't been able to put it all together in a season yet he and then he leaves he leaves the Oregon job to do go to his alma mater and that's admirable and he has Miami back on the national radar people are talking about them and it's just his second year um I don't know if they'll be ranked at the end of the year but I still think they're a contender in the ACC yes one bad upset loss Ooh. You know, I I just think it's dumb. I think he left a comfortable situation. He went out there, and I don't think anyone calling him on the hot seat is serious. But don't forget to follow on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching in the live, you're enjoying the the live, uh, don't forget to subscribe. If you're in the TikTok, I appreciate you as well. And you can find In the Trenches anywhere you get your podcast or through the link in the bio. Uh, We are continuing to grow this podcast each and every day, and I appreciate everyone that supports So let's talk about the last dance tour game, Colorado 27, Arizona State 24. Colorado overcame a weak performance on the line of scrimmage again and used their superior skill players to win again. The Buffaloes are going to keep doing stuff like this, it seems, and it's going to make some people pretty angry. They're going to be like, how does Colorado keep getting these lucky wins? I wouldn't say it's lucky. It's just the skill guys they put in the right position Uh, Their offensive line is dreadful. And to be fair, Arizona State has a decent defensive front, especially for a 1-5 and team. I think Arizona State could be the best 1-5 and team in the country. It's an underrated win from Colorado, a game I was at for the last dance tour. Key stat here, 56 rush yards for Colorado. It's still all on Shador to get this offense going. It's still all on those playmakers to get this offense going. So Colorado is a team that uh, if they continue to find ways to win games like that, that is great. 
I have had a a sinking suspicion that one of these games against a lesser opponent is a ticking time bomb that they could lose because they're just going to face somebody that at the line of scrimmage attacks them. And that skill player differential isn't going to be enough. We saw a close call versus ASU. We saw a close call versus Colorado State. I look at some of their games upcoming. I don't know. Washington State, Arizona. They've got one against Stanford this weekend. I think one of those or multiple of those three could give them some issues, um, but we'll see. They're starting to get healthy as well, which I think is is a good quality for that team to get to get Travis Hunter back. I think would be a big uh, key for the Buffaloes. Uh, takeaways from the game: Colorado's in a prime position for a bowl game, and I mean that uh, with the pun. They're in a prime position for a bowl game. If you missed that the first time. Uh, for Arizona State, Dillingham still finding ways to manufacture offense for the Sun Devils, and that's what they brought him there to do. He's a great offensive mind. Their offensive coordinator, Bo Baldwin, is not calling plays anymore for the offense, and that's a really bad sign. I don't know if he'll still be with the team at the end of the year. We could see them uh, get rid of Bo Baldwin, but we'll see. Uh, Colorado overall continues to entertain, and my comparison for Colorado I think still is frighteningly accurate. I compared them to last season's Arizona team, which is a bunch of elite playmakers that and a team that is still growing on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and a very suspect defense. It's a very pure uh, comparison. It's obviously not apples to apples, but I think Delora is comparable to what Sanders has been doing. They had Cowing and Singer. This team obviously has Weaver and they have Horn. Uh, there's just a lot of good comparisons uh, between both those teams, I think. So shout out to Colorado for getting the win. But this begs the question. Where will we be headed this week? We were in Tempe, Arizona. That's like the third or fourth time we've been in Tempe this year. Uh, Keeping it close to the vest uh, for some of these early games because we are balling on a budget. But we will be headed in week seven to a very exciting location uh, for weeks. You know, I'm going to stop dancing around. I was going to do a whole fun lead up, but let's stop dancing around it. And let's just announce This week for week seven for the last dance tour, we are going to be headed to Knoxville, Tennessee to watch Texas A&M take on the volunteers. It is going to be a major, major battle for these teams. Jimbo is coaching for his job every week for the rest of the season. Tennessee is still barely alive and hosts Georgia this year. So anything's possible. They feel like they've still got a shot in the East. When these two played in 2016, it was absolutely electric and overtime game. It just feels right. The big T's battling against each other. And the best part of all, it is checkered nailing. You cannot plan it any better than that. This was a huge bucket list item for me, and I can finally check it off on Saturday. I am so excited to be at this game. And if you are in the area or want to say hi or anything like that, feel free to reach out. I am so unbelievably hyped for this game. It is going to be an absolute blast in Knoxville. So we are going to do mailbag for the latter part of this episode of In the Trenches. Uh, Before we get into that, I'm going to get myself some water and then we will get into it. But if, of course, if you have any questions, feel free to drop those in the comment section and we will roll through them. It looks like we have a backlog of some of them in here. So we will for sure get into those. But as I said, I'm going to get some water first. All right. Shout out to everyone that is in the YouTube live. We're going to start with fishing who we alluded to earlier, who says thoughts on Clemson. So Clemson has been a very polarizing team this year. They've been polarizing for me because everyone that knows my history with Clemson knows that at the start of the year, I had Clemson as my national title pick and it was an absolute gamble, absolute risk. But I was thinking, Hey, they've got a championship caliber defense. I really like Garrett Riley. And I think that he can turn this offense around. Good news. I think they do have a championship caliber defense. It continues to shine. They just limited wake Forest. They had a great game against Florida state. Um, the bad news, their offense is nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near where I thought it was going to be. Garrett Riley has looked downright silly. Their red zone offense has been garbage, hot garbage, and it's just been really rough all around for Clemson, but there's still a team that can win many games and still a team that I think is a sleeper for the ACC title game. Uh, I would keep an eye on that. They do have multiple ACC losses already, which is going against them, obviously, but at the same time. I think that the W's could continue to rack up. And if there's a little bit of chaos on the other side of things, I could totally see that happening with Louisville and, 
and Miami and North Carolina and Duke all starting to play each other and Florida State in the mix as well. I think we could see Clemson get limped their way back in. But as it currently stands, I think they're a really solid defensive team uh, that is probably going to be in like the Alamo or Holiday Bowl or something along those lines this season. Um, But that's not the standard that Dabo set at Clemson. So he might have to answer some tough questions this offseason and see if he wants to reflect on his philosophy. Um, He can choose to not change his philosophy. And we've seen what that does to people. Look at Pat Narduzzi and Pitt. You just get left to the wayside. So let's continue on um we've got college football Vinny, who is a dear friend of the show who says thoughts on a usc close win to arizona shout out to my buddy connor he was at that game and i didn't even realize he was at that game he just sent me a text in the morning he was like usc game was crazy and then sent like a video from the game and i was like oh wow he was at the game that's pretty cool um i was about to go to bed because I thought this game was over. USC scored to make it 28-20 late, and I thought, ah, there's no way Fafita is able to lead another drive here toward the end. He did, and they went for two and got it, and then there was the crazy field goal shenanigans. Uh, game goes to triple overtime, and, and uh, USC just barely squeaks it out. And a lot of people trying to tell me that USC's defense is garbage and that USC shouldn't be anywhere near a top-10 team and that USC is awful this year and all this wild, wild stuff that I'm hearing. and. I just don't feel the same way about it. I really think USC's defense wasn't that bad. Before that final drive by Arizona, they had held Arizona to 20 points in the game. And Arizona scored 17 to start. They like got punched in the mouth and then completely bounced back. And then Arizona was able to get one last drive at the end there to send it to overtime. And then from there, all the extra points are just you know, add-ons from overtime. It's not like... Arizona scored 40 points on USC in regulation. So I think people are looking at that and inflating that a little bit. And then at the same time, the USC offense is so unbelievably lethal. And yes, they had a little bit of a slow game, but Caleb Williams didn't play great and still found a way. You saw all those scramble touchdowns he had. He's just a baller and he just finds a way. And anytime someone tells me USC's defense is trash, I literally just look at them straight in the eyes and say, okay. Uh, you could have said the same thing about any of the three Oklahoma teams coached by Lincoln Riley that made the playoff. And a lot of those Oklahoma teams didn't have Caleb Williams. They have Caleb Williams. So I still have USC in my playoff and I still have him in my top four. And I know that makes a lot of people upset, but that's where I got USC. And that's where I'm going to keep them until they prove otherwise. Uh, So that is them. We're going to get to Cooper Waits, who says thoughts on Oklahoma. So for the Sooners, Obviously, an incredibly impressive win versus Texas. And we just did a little bit of a breakdown uh, on the show. But I really think for the Sooners, it's consistency you've got to look for. Uh, Because beating the contenders is one thing. That's awesome. And if you can beat contenders consistently, you yourself become a contender. But the key thing that separates contenders from pretenders is consistency against inferior competition. And ironically, Oklahoma has nothing but inferior competition lined up in the Big 12 ahead of them. So they're going to have to go out and continually prove and prove and prove they are a legitimate threat. And that means Dylan Gabriel avoiding mistakes. That means this defense showing up every game. And that means no slow starts, no ugly, ugly games. Because if you get into too many of those, especially in the Big 12, you're going to start to get beat. Um, Funny Roca says, why did you drop Ohio State? So Ohio State was my number one team in the country. In this last ranking I put out, I dropped them a spot and I put Georgia in the number one spot. That has more to do with Georgia rising than Ohio State dropping. I had Ohio State number one because I said, wow, look at what their defense has shown me. Their defense really looks like it's reached another level. And part of that was banking on the Ohio State offense coming along. The Ohio State offense is coming along, to be fair. They've got plenty of great playmakers, and I think McCord improves every single week. However, Georgia... um, they just look like them old se- their old selves against Kentucky and just swamped on them. And I was looking for a complete game from Georgia. I was waiting eagerly for that, and we 100% got it. So that's kind of why I did that little flip-flop. Um, let's see if we can find another one. Yeah, here it is. Pegasus4062 says, Is there a road for Louisville to make it to the ACC championship or the playoffs? Shout out to me, first off, for learning how to pronounce Louisville. That was a huge moment for me, and I'm really proud of myself. Uh, But now that I'm done patting myself on the back, yes, there was absolutely a road. Uh, As I alluded to a little bit earlier in the show, uh, there's 100% a path. Louisville has a bunch of winnable games down the stretch, but also some trap games. So if they can avoid those trap games and perform well and look 
just like how they did against Notre Dame when they play Miami and when they play uh, Duke down the stretch. This team can 100% go 12-0 and and be in the ACC championship. And then from there, you get one win, you're in the playoff. You're undefeated. You could be number two in the country. Get a little excited if you're Louisville fans because I've been excited about Louisville for a while. And shout out again to Louisville Barstool for putting a light on that. We've got another one. This one's from Dab. Shout out to the Dab. That was that was an interesting thing when it was around. But uh, Dab says, is North Carolina for real this year? And it's an interesting question because it depends on what you mean when you say, is North Carolina for real? For me, I was really, really much lower on North Carolina than other people. I thought we were looking at like a potentially like seven win season from North Carolina, like pretty bad. And that was because I really thought that this defense defense was going to drop off for North Carolina and it was bad last year. I thought it was going to be equally bad this year. And then I thought the offense could have a little bit of growing pains in a new system after losing Phil Longo. And so I, I really thought we could see North Carolina drop off. However, Drake may has been phenomenal as expected and he's plugged any holes there were in that offense. Tez Walker's back, and they look good with him too. And defensively, they've been a little inconsistent, and I wouldn't by any means call them elite or great, but they've been really solid and at the very least opportunistic and turned in some really impressive performances. I think of Syracuse. I think of South Carolina. Uh, they've had some great performances, and they haven't been messing around with teams that aren't as good as them, with the one exception being the App State game. A little scary, but good teams find a way to win when they're not playing well. Uh yeah, North Carolina, I think, is a great team. But for real, in terms of playoff, national championship, I don't think they're anywhere near that. But in terms of ACC title, if they get the right bounces here and there, I think that that is a very real possibility for North Carolina. And that's just something I didn't think was possible in the offseason based, uh, based on all that. So we got Loudon who says, remember when I told you Noah Fafita was the best uh, quarterback on Arizona's roster two weeks ago? Well, Loudon, that's aged pretty well. He's looked pretty excellent. I still kind of hold the belief that Jaden Delora puts him in a slightly better position to win, but we talked about that just a little bit ago. Let's see what else we got here. More comments rolling in. Um, Justin Patchett says, who are you shocked hasn't been eliminated from playoff contention yet? And this one is a really good question. Because that is interesting. I I wouldn't say shocked, but I'm surprised that Washington State is still kind of alive up to this point in the season. I really didn't think that they were going to beat Wisconsin again this year, and yet they did. And then I didn't think they would. I mean, if you looked at this point in the schedule, you say after they played UCLA, Oregon State, Wisconsin, will they be alive for playoff contention? I probably would have had them losing all three of those games. And maybe two, but they've only lost one. So I'd say Washington State is one of the teams I'm really surprised is still alive in playoff contention. Um, Duke, I knew they were going to be a great team, but I I guess I didn't think they'd be able to get past both Notre Dame and Clemson this early in the season. Trying to think. I'm I'm referencing my top 25 over here to see uh, who else has really surprised me. Um, I would say... I guess that's it. I'm really surprised that Notre Dame's out already. I'd say that definitely surprised me. I didn't expect that per se. And uh, shout out to Missouri for for being a, a team that's still alive as well. So let's get to the next one. Uh, we've got, before we get to the next one, I see this guy saying he's not answering my question in the TikTok live. As a reminder, I'm only answering the questions in the, uh, in the YouTube. So if you have a burning question put there, uh, coach Ron Hitner says, who do you like in Wyoming versus air force? Now this is an excellent question because I don't know if that one will necessarily be on my main game breakdowns. Typically for those ones, I'm going to do a lot of the more high profile games. But if you ask me today, who do I like in that matchup? I like Wyoming and I like Wyoming because air force seems to have a pretty firm ceiling in their recent iterations. And that's a solid nine win team that drops a couple duds, but is really consistent and can beat any of the poverty programs and poverty teams in the mountain West. Wyoming is a true contender. I really love the position Peasley puts this team in and Craig bull is one of the most underrated coaches in the entire country. I should make a top 10 of that list. I, I I've been uh, delaying that, but I, I might make one of those um, sooner. Maybe that's some off season content, but I like Wyoming right now, and I really think they can get out and run and, and beat Air Force, and they've shown a lot of resolve this season. <clears throat> David Polson again says, is Florida State legit playoff contenders with a weaker remaining schedule? Uh, yeah, 
definitely. I mean, play, Florida State's a legit playoff contender for sure. They could be the one seed, realistically. They can win out in the ACC and be the number one seed as undefeated uh, team. It would require some other teams to lose, yes, but they're an excellent team. 100% they're alive. So let's continue. Oh, boy. We got BT Nola 5, which is a New Orleans thing. He says... What does Nebraska need to do to become at least an eight-win team next year? Also, will Nebraska make a bowl game this year? I don't think Nebraska will make a bowl game this year. If you look at the back half of their schedule, they play Iowa, they play Wisconsin, they play Maryland. I think they have another pretty tough game in there uh, later as well. I don't think they're a bowl game this bowl team this year. I don't think they're consistent enough. I think benching Sims was the right move by Matt Ruan. I think that was a little tough because I think Sims is a guy he went out and got and really had a lot of faith in the portal to win at least eight games next year. Nebraska has to hit some home runs in the portal. That means getting the right guy at quarterback. That means getting some of the right guys at defensive back. That means getting some of the right guys at receiver. That means getting some big boys in the trenches. That means Matt rule has to light his hair on fire and go really succeed in the portal. They went into the portal a lot this off season and they had some whiffs and Jeff Sims is the most loud of those whiffs because he did it on such a national stage versus Colorado. And because he was so awful and because he was the quarterback, but there were some other big time whiffs. And it's one of the reasons that Nebraska hasn't been quite the six and six, seven and five team. We thought we might see, and they look more like a four and eight, five and seven type team. They're going to have to hit some portal home runs to get eight wins next year. But I think next year you're looking for bowl game improvement uh, from Nebraska rule typically hits in year three. I think that's where you can look for eight plus wins. Uh, Josh Johnson says, dude, please tell me if you saw how the central Arkansas game went down. If not, I'll fill you in. I actually didn't. So if you could educate me, that would be great. Let's continue forward. Um, we've got Holden who says, who would you take in a hypothetical Louisville versus North Carolina game? This is an important question because we can only operate in hypotheticals unless these two teams match up in the ACC title game because they don't play each other in the regular season. And as annoying of a schedule quirk as this is, it's one that you've got to get used to because it is going to happen more and more with these 16, 18, potentially 20 team conferences where there's just so many teams that they can't all play each other. So it's annoying. Florida State and Louisville and North Carolina could all go 12-0 and this year and one of them gets left out of the ACC title game. That's an outlandish comparison. That probably won't happen. But at the very least, you want to see these guys play each other. Um, so in a hypothetical Louisville versus North Carolina matchup, I think I would lean I would lean Louisville right now. I really think Louisville is more complete defensively. And I think that would make a real difference, even though North Carolina would still go out and score. So um, we got another question here. Is Colorado a contender come four years time if Dion stays? Four years is a lot of time. And I think this question is almost impossible to answer just because we've never seen anyone attempt what Dion has been attempting and doing at Colorado. We don't know if he'll be there in four years, but just for the sake of this hypothetical, if he's there for four years, it's just such a tough call because is the way he built this roster, the way he's going to try and do it every offseason, like next year is all the guys that didn't work out this year. Is he going to just, kick him out in the transfer portal and try to assemble a whole new roster? Is he going to be more focused on his recruiting prowess this offseason? There's a lot we just don't know about Dion's approach headed into year two and year three at Colorado, including if he plans to stay there long term. So it's really interesting. I don't know. And my it's a true answer. I have no idea. So let's get to the next one. Uh Hey, I'm an Ohio State fan, but I don't think we deserve to be number two above Michigan. What do you think? So he's referring to my rankings. I have Ohio State at number two. I have Michigan at number three. Uh, I I think Ohio State deserves to be above Michigan right now because they have the win over Notre Dame to hang their hat on. Uh, they also have some other nice, solid wins. They have a win over Maryland that I think is an underrated victory. And uh, for Michigan... They're, to their credit, they've looked excellent on the road, and it's hard to do that all the time. Ohio State hasn't done that all the time, but they just have the better wins right now. Uh, Michigan has looked very excellent on the road. They look like a well-oiled machine. So if you interchange those two, I wouldn't complain at all. So 
M asked, is Michigan the most complete team in college football? No idea. No idea. They've looked like it, kind of, but it's because they haven't played anyone. When they play a contender, that's where we'll see the cracks. That's where we'll see the potential holes or if they're the most complete team in college football. I'll repeat what I said before. They look like a well-oiled machine on the road, and I put a lot, a lot of uh, stock into that. So let's go to Vinny who says, uh, Memphis versus Tulane will be the group of five game of the year. I think that'll be a great game going under the radar a little bit. Um, group of five game of the year, you're going to have to do a lot because there's been some pretty entertaining ones. But um, off the top of my head, I mean, that could be that could be one. Memphis is still only at one loss on the season. It was a loss to um, it was a loss to Missouri, I believe, a one score loss to Missouri and Tulane with a one score loss to Ole Miss. Technically, not one score because Ole Miss got a couple more late, but it was a pretty close game. So I'm going to call it a one score loss. Who cares? It's all semantics, anyways. But I agree. I think that can be an excellent game. I don't know if I'll go as far as to say game of the year, but you know. So Josh Johnson gives me some clarity. He said Central Arkansas down 33 to six in the fourth. 33-18 with under nine minutes and scored a game winner with 19 seconds left. Two touchdowns came on fourth down. Also went 0 for 3 on two-point conversions. That is bananas. If you guys watched the Arkansas State game or you haven't, go watch it. Because that sounds bananas. Almost as bananas as the Miami-Georgia Tech game. Logan Bullers asks a question that I'm really glad he asked. He says, is this the year we see any two lost teams in the college football playoff? And if so... Who could you see this being? This is an excellent, excellent question because I think that, yes, this could be the year. And when I put out the college football playoff eliminator, which I put out every Sunday, and it's the teams that I think are eliminated from the playoff and out of playoff contention based on the results from the last week, I have LSU with two losses still alive. And people give me flack for that every single time I have them up there. It's only been a couple weeks now. They beat Missouri, so I expect those people to get a little bit quieter. But I think it's very possible. I think you've got to be in the SEC or the Big Ten. People just don't have enough respect for those other conferences in order for that to happen. So that narrows down the field significantly. I don't think it's going to be a Big Ten West team. Not enough respect there. I think we could see one of Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, if they had two losses, especially if they win the Big 12 title game. Like, let, let me throw this hypothetical at you. We get uh, Penn State. Penn State loses to – actually, this is, a, this is a tough hypothetical to cook up. Let's say uh, <sighs> Penn State's 10-2. Penn State's 10-2. There's no other great contenders, and maybe they don't win the Big Ten championship game because that's hard to work out in my brain right now. But I think we could see like a 10-2 Penn State, especially if maybe we have an 11-1 Michigan and a 13-0 a a Ohio State, and that's what their two losses are in close games. Or Notre Dame at 10 and 2. Maybe. I don't think so because they don't have the conference title game, um, which I know that sounds a little contradictory. I am contradicting myself. I think I'm getting a little excited about the possibilities here. LSU. LSU was up at number six when they had two losses near the end of last year. They were pretty close at making it. This year, they have two losses. They were preseason number five. As much as I hate it, preseason rankings play a factor here, and what people's thoughts were early plays a factor. USC had three losses. And they climbed all the way into like the top six way back uh, in the day. So I think two losses is possible. And I think LSU is the top candidate I look at. AM, maybe, probably not with Miami's loss, but LSU is right there, especially if we get an undefeated Florida State. If you get 13 and 0 Florida State, you have LSU beating Alabama. Let's say we have 10 and 2 Alabama with losses to LSU and Texas, and you have an 11 and 2 LSU SEC champion that beats Georgia. There's zero chance that team gets left out, literally zero. Nathan Carter says, assuming Oklahoma and Texas meet in the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma wins in their own, wins in their end. Thoughts on if Texas wins? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a conundrum. And I think that's a nightmare scenario for the committee. If an 11-1 and Texas beats Oklahoma and is 12-1, and wins the Big 12 title, and Oklahoma's also 12-1, and and you've got now both teams that beat each other, both on a neutral side, especially if Texas wins on a crazy play like Oklahoma did, you have two one-loss teams, both with a loss to each other, both on the last play of the game, both at neutral sites. That would be pretty insane, and that would put the committee in a bind, I think. Uh, that's a nightmare scenario for them, especially because thinking is not one of the things that the committee likes to do, um, especially if it's like you have undefeated Georgia in there, undefeated Ohio State, and then like a one-loss USC in or something like that. Oklahoma and Texas battling for that fourth spot, that would be all-time uh, craziness. Uh We've got David who says, if Florida doesn't make a bowl this year, how badly is Billy Napier on the hot seat? So 
I don't think I don't think Billy Napier is going to be in the hot seat this year. And that might be a hot take, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Even if they miss a bowl game, I don't think he'll get fired. I think he could be on the hot seat if they miss a bowl game, but I don't think they're going to miss a bowl game. That's my whole thing. I think that we're looking at probably a six or seven win season. Maybe I think seven could be probably where we're going to land with Florida. Um, They've got good players and they've got some good units. They've got a decent defensive line, opportunistic defense and secondary with linebackers an offense that can operate very well when they're running the ball effectively. And, uh, Mertz isn't throwing interceptions they can beat some teams and we saw that against Tennessee they drug them into the mud and just got a nice little win there but uh I don't see them missing a bowl game if they do I think he's just on the hot seat but I don't think he's getting fired he is a great recruiting class rolling in this is year two they knew it was going to be a rebuild and I think the Gators are patient enough to let him get his guys in place um I think he'll have time and I don't think that's not a popular opinion because people love to react and be like fire him now fire him now they think you know, if you fire the coach and get the right coach in there, it'll change things. But it's not all Dion. It's not all Sonny Dykes. And Sonny Dykes is showing that this year. It's not Brian Kelly's showing it this year. Year one, he won the SEC West. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not linear. You're not just going to shoot up, you know, in a linear fashion. You know, you got to you gotta rebuild the roster the right way if you want long-term success. And I think that's the thing that we're learning is, is you can, yes, you can fabricate some initial exploding success in year one, but you've got to truly build a roster to contend. We've got Mike who says, do you think UNLV can win a bowl game this year? 100%. UNLV has really impressed me. One of the most surprising teams of this season for me. I thought they were going to regress this year. They've looked excellent. Shout out to Mayava, the Hawaiian quarterback who has been absolutely cooking for the Rebels. He has been uh, excellent to watch. I've really enjoyed all the uh, the UNLV uh, hype. And I think it's good that UNLV is good. Having a team in Las Vegas at that that's good. I just think that's good for college football. Let's continue. We've got the letter O like 12 times. I'm not going to just so go. Ooh. Um, he says, what are your college football playoff predictions right now? And do you think Gonzaga will make the playoffs? Uh, I think the Gonzaga thing is a reference to the fact that Gonzaga uh, is getting some buzz to go to the big 12 right now. They're getting some serious buzz. Um, and so shout out to that reference if that's what that was, but my college football playoff predictions, if you held me, held me to it right now and made me pick four teams, I would go Georgia. I would go Ohio state. I would go USC and I would go, Oh, no, I, you know what? This might be a hot take. I think I'm going to still go Texas. I think Texas wins out and then beats Oklahoma in a rematch. And then I think the committee respects the rematch. I'm going to put Texas in there. Um, one would think you would go Florida State at four, but I just think the Knolls are a little bit too inconsistent on the road. I think that'll bite them at one point this season, unfortunately. But the Longhorns, I still think, are an excellent team, and I do think they win the rematch versus versus Oklahoma, um, which sounds a little disrespectful to Oklahoma, but I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that to hook them horns. Um, Logan gives us a hypothetical here. He says if Bama wins out and loses to Georgia in the SEC championship, with Georgia going undefeated, could you see Bama sneaking into the playoff with two losses? Okay, so you're talking about an 11 and 2 Bama with losses to Texas and a loss to Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think the key scenario where Bama makes the playoff is if you've got a 12 and 1 Big 12 championship Texas, you've got a cannibalized Pac 12, and then you've got one clear Big 10, let's say undefeated Michigan and everyone else lost out. I think Bama might be able to get in in that case. Um, and then, you know, obviously you need Florida State to fall off as well and, and no true ACC contender to rise up. I think you could see Alabama sneak in because the, the Texas loss would shrink their resume. You either need Texas to win out and be really good or to lose out because that head-to-head Texas will be respected if they're close enough to Bama record-wise. If Texas has two losses, there's no way they're getting in over Texas because of that head-to-head. Um, let's go to Jesus Soto who says, do you see Washington State uh, bouncing back and only losing to Washington or Oregon. I do not see the Washington State bounce back happening to that degree. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by their performance against Oregon State. I knew that was a trap game going into it, though, and I think they resorted back to their form we saw last year against UCLA, and that's pretty alarming for the Cougars. I think we could see them dropping some some games they're not supposed to lose down the stretch here. They've got some tough ones. Um, I, I just am not 
terribly high on Washington State. And uh, I'd see the reasons why there was buzz there, but I just know their ceiling was pretty low. Oregon State is a higher ceiling than Washington State, which sounds a little redundant because Washington State beat Oregon State. But I think that's the truth. Wyatt Bish says, do you feel like North Carolina has proved themselves now? Now, we just talked about North Carolina, but to double back, I don't think they've proved much. They haven't played a ton of great teams. I think their defense has proved some stuff. But overall, have they proved themselves? I don't think that's fair to say uh, overall. I don't think they've they've necessarily proved themselves. Let's continue. Okay, we got Nicholas Perry who says, any thoughts on the Indiana coaching job when they inevitably fire Allen? Any names you think would be interested? Uh, So Big Ten coaching job openings, I think are the most interesting thing in college football. Second most behind uh, the SEC having coaching job openings, which I think they could have multiple this offseason. And Billy Napier is not one of the names I'm thinking of, just to to put that to rest. But the Big Ten is interesting because they can offer, they can throw some real money around. And so you're seeing that with Michigan State and you're seeing it with Northwestern. You're seeing some names that are a little bit bigger than you might think getting brought up when it comes to discussing those jobs. And I think it's going to happen. Somebody's going to poach a really good ACC or a really good Big 12 coach, and it's going to shock some people. Um, For the Indiana job specifically, I don't know if I put a ton of research into necessarily who they might go after. I know Elko has been a popular candidate for some of those other jobs. Maybe that's a guy they could throw into the mix. But I mean, really, when you're thinking about it, the the world is your oyster. It's a matter of who you throw the bag at if you're uh, Indiana. And there's a lot of teams that you could probably lure away their coach. Um, It's going to be interesting to see because I think Indiana as a program isn't they're not necessarily in the worst spot ever. They play a really tough schedule, but their roster talent isn't completely awful. They're still competitive in some games. And I, I think that it's unfortunate that Allen's you know, it, job at Indiana has gone this way because he really showed the early signs of potentially turning it around and looking really good, but it just was all for naught. So, Ooh, baby. HB626 says, what do you think Dylan Gabriel's Heisman odds are? You know, I think I think they're pretty high at this point. To win a game that's on the national radar like that in front of so many people, all people care about when they're voting for the Heisman nowadays is the big win and the signature Heisman moment and all that stuff. He's got the three Pac-12 quarterbacks and Knicks, Penix, and Williams ahead of him. I think he's got a pretty high chance because I think Williams – uh, it voter fatigue is going to win out. He's probably not going to go back to back, even though he's phenomenal and he probably should go back to back. And for Penix and Knicks, they're going to lose some games in the Pac-12 probably. I don't know. Knicks has a pretty insane Heisman campaign. Gabriel's going to have to compete with that. <clears throat> All right, we got David again who says, do you think South Carolina can turn around their season at the end uh, and end on another high similar to last year? Well, it is Cocktober. I think that's what you need to remember. It is Cocktober right now. And South Carolina has three games in Cocktober. Do not sleep on them during this month. Last month, this is where they made all their money uh, doing this. They've had a buy to think about everything. I really think this could be an excellent month for them simply on vibes alone. Nothing schematically, nothing about their players or their coaches or anything. Based on that, I think they could have a great month. Uh, But overall, I like Beamer as a coach. I think he can get some things right on this team. They're just not going to be as consistent or as good as I hope they would be. So... Do you think it's possible for two ACC teams to make the playoff like North Carolina, Louisville? I really don't. I just don't think the ACC teams are good enough to all guarantee they'll be unscathed by the time we get to the end of the season. So my answer to that would be no. Mm-mm-mm. JJB says, is USC at three some sort of weird clickbait? Well, they're at four. And yes, uh, everything I do is clickbait, actually. All right, Wyatt Bish says, could you see LSU drop out of the top 25 by the end of the year? They're very close, very recently. If they take a third loss, I think it's very possible, but uh, voters respect them a lot, and a lot of it has to do with where you were ranked in the preseason. LSU is five, so it's going to be hard to get them out. I'd say it's possible, though. Wow, JJB says, Dylan Gabriel is plus 400 at my local casino, second only Caleb Williams at plus 300. Yeah, when I looked at the odds the other day, I saw Penix and Bo and uh, Williams all ahead of him. So I guess it just depends on where you look. Anderson Walker says, what do you think about J.J. McCarthy? So I made a video in the offseason about how J.J. McCarthy was genuinely a liability at times for the Wolverines last season. 
And I think people may have read a little bit too much into that and thought I was talking about how bad he was going to be this year. I don't think he's going to be bad this year, and I didn't think he was. I think I ranked him as my 18th-ranked quarterback, which I think is very appropriate based on where he's played. He's not a Heisman-caliber quarterback. He's not going to be dazzling, especially in the Michigan offense, but he has done what he needs to do, and he's done an excellent job of distributing the football. Great quarterback. Uh, I think he's a great quarterback, and I never said he wasn't a great quarterback. I said he was a liability at times last year. Still a good quarterback last year, and I knew he was going to make a jump this year, and he did. So, Do you think it's hypocritical to criticize Ohio State but not Michigan for slow starts? Uh, yeah, that'd be hypocritical. Um, people base their stuff on a lot of things. Um, when you criticize people for l- slow starts, I think that's a valid criticism when you're talking about potential national title contenders. But when you're talking about just random one-off games, continually referring to slow starts, I think is a little lazy because if you win the game and you win it handily at the end, I don't think it's you should read that much into a slow start, um, especially if it only happens a few times and it's not happening every week. Let's continue. We've got Jackson who says, do you think Kansas can make the big 12 ship? Their offense is just too unstoppable with Jaden taking the snap. Um, I don't think they will, but, and I don't think it's very possible. Unfortunately, I think Kansas is still a year or two off from something like this being possible. Um, and honestly a year off because next year, Texas and Oklahoma will leave. And I think Kansas will have a shot. The issue with them making it this year is I think if they had this team last year, they could have. However, this year you have two teams that are genuinely great, great teams. This year's Oklahoma and Texas teams would have won the Big 12 any of the last couple seasons. And the last couple seasons, we were just lacking that true number one in the Big 12, basically. And that allowed teams like TCU and Baylor to win it. I don't think anyone outside of Texas and Oklahoma will win the Big 12. Do you think Wyoming to be the best group of five, says Bob? Uh, I don't... Uh, it's tough. I think I would say yes. I'd say they are the best group of five team right now. James Madison has a case as well. Um, Tulane, I think, still has a case as well. Tulane and Wyoming have in common that they have a loss to a very excellent team. Although, uh, I would say, well, that, there's was to Ole Miss. So, yeah. That is that. Let's continue. Oh, Connor Holtzclaw. We're only going to take a few more questions here before we sign off, but I appreciate everyone that's hopped in and asked questions. This has been very excellent. Uh, Connor Holtzclaw says, thoughts on the group of five front runner for the New Year's Six? This is a tough one because there's no true front runner this year. And this is kind of what I assumed the case would be. The usual suspects are not to be found, whether it's they are in the Big 12 in Cincinnati, Central Florida, uh, and I guess technically BYU was was a competitor for that. Uh, or they're just struggling this year. Um, Boise State is a team that's nowhere on the radar. You've got a team like Memphis that took a loss. Um, Fresno State was the top candidate, very clear top candidate, but they just lost to Wyoming. So I think Wyoming replaces them as the top candidate, but they could lose to Air Force this week. And if they do, then I think Air Force replaces them as a top candidate. The only undefeateds we have left are James Madison, who can't make it, Liberty and Air Force. Liberty has a terrible schedule. I don't know if there's a chance they'll get ranked because of how awful the schedule is. But if they go undefeated, they might respect it and give them the New Year's Six spot. But uh, Air Force could go undefeated, but I don't think they will in that Mountain West. Could it be a Mountain West team? I don't know. Could it just go back to Tulane? It could. Could it go to Memphis? It could. There's just a lot of teams that are still in the running for that. And uh, that's why I really like the group of five top 25 that I put out. It really gives a chance to track that. And so I think that's fun. Let's continue on and talk about this. Wow, we are getting spammed in the chat. So let's find one question. I want to end on a good question. Here we go. This is a good one from David. Is Penn State the best team that gets talked about the least? I think this is a valid question because Penn State does not get talked about a lot. And the reason is the two teams surrounding them, Ohio State and Michigan. And guess what? No one's talking about them now. If Penn State were to beat one of those two teams, and I'm not sure who they play first this year, I think it may be Michigan. Penn State will be the only team anyone talks about. It will become obnoxious how much people talk about Penn State. We've seen Penn State hype and buzz 
when it's at its peak and it gets pretty up there. It gets pretty wild. So if you are wondering, oh, when is ever everybody going to talk about Penn State? It could happen. They could win those games this year. They could win both. They could lose both. They could split. The reason they're not being talked about is because they haven't made that leap yet under James Franklin. They had a year where they were able to beat one of those guys and they were able to beat one of them like every other year or whatever. I think Franklin might be three and six against them all time. Um, but yeah, it's just tough, man. You just gotta, gotta find a way. Those two teams are just so good. They play Ohio state first. So we'll see Ohio state's been a little inconsistent at times. That'll be a low scoring defensive battle, but that is our last comment we are taking here. I appreciate everyone that was in the live asking questions. It was really active chat and active stream today on YouTube. And so I really appreciate everyone. Uh, we are slowly but surely growing our presence on YouTube. We've got some very exciting stuff planned for the near future. I appreciate you guys in the TikTok chat as well. You guys are excellent in here. Remember, next time, if you catch me on another Monday mailbag, we're only answering questions in the TikTok or in the YouTube chat. Shouldn't I just misspoke? But we're only answering questions in the YouTube chat. So you have a burning question during the live. Feel free to hop on there and ask it. We're wrapping this one up. Uh, the full episode will be uploaded on Spotify uh, in the trenches with Tyler Budge. Uh, or anywhere you get your podcast. It's also linked in the bio on all of my socials. Don't forget to uh, like and follow on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube, I guess is the correct term, because then you'll be able to catch these uh, lives whenever they go live and uh, be able to schedule those out and, and keep an eye on those. We're going to go live again on Wednesday. It's going to be excellent. And that does it for In the Trenches. I appreciate all you guys for in the chat, and I will see you guys on Wednesday.